Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're talking to Bud Houston about his journey towards movements of disciples and churches and his involvement with the website upgnorthamerica.com. I came to faith as an adult at age 26, and I was um, connected to a church that was, it was a very traditional church, but my first year of being a believer, they started training everyone how to share the gospel. And so a brand new believer, I was being discipled, they're teaching me to share the gospel. And I just thought, well, this is, this is just what you do. This is what it means to follow Jesus. It's what the book says. So this is what we do. And uh, following up to that, I I had this season of frustration, really, where uh, I learned these things, but didn't necessarily have all the tools I needed. I felt like I could get to the starting blocks, but I couldn't get down the road. And it was through multiple avenues, went to seminary, planted some churches, but still didn't really know how to multiply disciples. And back in 2016, uh, I got connected to a guy named Kyle Pearson, and Kyle was uh, the guy who initially trained me and and uh, really just kind of like the no place left tools and methods. I'd been trained in some DMM principles before, so I was already wrapped up in the multiplication mindset, but it was, it was really that training with Kyle and uh, a brother named Aaron who, who really put some tools in my hand, and I felt like I I've been trying to ride a bicycle with no handlebars and they really, they just put handlebars on my bicycle and we just started, man, heading, heading down the road. So it's been a great, great time the last uh, few years, just pursuing movement since, since then yeah, it was, it was right around the time that we had went through the training and we were going out in the harvest regularly. And uh, there was some students who came from new Orleans uh, Baptist theological seminary uh, to partner with our church for some outreach and evangelism. And so we were going out every day for multiple hours and we, we go uh, and we knock on this guy's door. He answers the door and he says, I'm atheist. And we said, well, okay, you're, you're a great person to share the gospel with. And we share the gospel with him. And while we're sharing this lady comes up behind him and it's just listening and beginning to cry but smiling while, while she's crying. And the guy we're sharing with who said he's an atheist, his countenance changes immediately. And the Holy Spirit just starts working on him. And in the context of about 10 minutes, he repents and believes it was his mother who come up behind him. And she said, I've been praying for him for over 10 years. He's been saying he's an atheist but I knew deep down he was not. He he believed that there was a God and you came and you shared with him and the, he was prepared to hear this story. And so, you know, oftentimes we hear Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, atheists, and they're so hard. They, they, they just need to hear the gospel. And it was just the power of the spirit and the power of the word working in that instance. It was like, and this guy was a hard, callous guy. He didn't want to hear anything, but God in that moment was working and that was that was a really point of breakthrough of seeing someone who, in the context of ten minutes, was so closed off an atheist to repenting and believing and following in baptism. Yeah. So from from that, we we saw some groups start, and I think we hear this with a lot of people in the West 
is you get some group start, you get a little bit of traction and it's like almost like a false start. So with that kind of that beginning, it was, it was an ending ending and then some more beginnings, but really what kind of shifted was not long after that I moved to Tennessee. And while we were in Tennessee, we're actually serving on a church staff, but implementing uh, movement principles and practices. And so I had a lot of freedom, but also a lot of restraint, right? That's that's what kind of comes with the territory. We had the freedom to do some things, but some restraint. Uh, the freedom was in that they were starting a new campus, and I had pretty much free reign with this campus. And so we were training everyone who was involved in this campus uh, to reproduce. And so we saw three generations of groups. We saw baptisms from the harvest. And we saw leaders emerging. And so, again, it was like this awesome start, this momentum. And then uh, that was February of 2020. And COVID took all of that out. Uh, the campus quit quit meeting. And a lot of the home groups had fizzled out. And it was really just, just recently, in the last six months or so, we were looking back at our time there and somewhat discouraged, like, Lord, why did you take us back for that season? Because it, it didn't seem to, to really get traction. But I can count, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine people who who was part of that uh, kind of emerging, uh, you know, multiplication of disciples and groups, and they're still doing the work. And they weren't before. So we can say, well, praise, praise God that even they've scattered people to other cities in Tennessee and other states, that they are training disciple makers or making disciples, sharing the gospel and making much of Jesus. Yeah. So when we, our family moved back to Dallas, Fort Worth, really the reason why we moved back is we lived in Dallas for two years, moved back to Tennessee, which was like our home area. But man, we so much missed the diversity that you find in, in large global gateway cities. So we moved back. And initially, we we were just focused on we're gonna we're gonna do ministry in our neighborhood. We're gonna multiply disciples, and we're just gonna see it grow, grow out. And so that's what we started doing. We started doing a lot of training. We did a training uh, in 2021, at least one training every month, and we were just training people like crazy. We were going out sharing the gospel every week. We we're seeing groups start it, but we didn't really see a lot of fruit from all of our trainings. We actually tracked our trainings. Every, every person we trained, we were tracking their obedience, tracking their fruit. We were individually and personally seeing some fruit, but a lot of the people we trained were not with exception to one brother who was from Mexico. And even this, this evening, he sent me a picture of someone else who's getting baptized. And so they've seen, Multiple churches planted, Spanish-speaking churches in, in Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, they've seen generational growth. And then really where it pivots and really aligns with what we're doing now is this brother who's been so fruitful among the Spanish community. He's now reaching out to Afghans and Rohingya and Burmese and uh, Indian Hindus because he intentionally moved to this area where there's just a plethora of diaspora people. And so he understands sharing the gospel, making disciples and planting churches. And so now I get to come alongside him as I've, 
I've learned and grown and uh, understanding cross-cultural ministry. So we're helping him see that same same type of thing established uh, among really what we'd say the, the least reached in North America. Uh, our, our Latino brothers and sisters, uh, they, they have zeal. They have boldness. They don't take no for an answer. And their skin is not as light as mine. And that gets them really, that gets them much further down the road. Yeah. So whenever we were in Dallas, Fort Worth and beginning uh, to move beyond just sharing the gospel with anyone and saying, hey, we, we really want to be strategic and taking uh, taking stock of the people that are in Dallas, Fort Worth, but also just this phenomenon of the global diaspora. There's more more people today uh, on the move, either internally or externally displaced than any time in history. And the Lord just really reminded me of Acts 17, uh, I believe it's verse 26, where it says that the Lord establishes the times and boundaries that people live so that some may uh, seek him or so they may seek him and so that some may find him. And then we turn our eyes up and we see people from every nation uh, that that has difficult access, that has priority uh, frontier people groups, unengaged people groups actually immigrating to the U.S. And we said, wow, we really should look at this as a very strategic opportunity. And so it was a little bit over a year ago, got connected with a brother who's really led out on research in North America named Chris Clayman. Chris is a a dear friend and he's done a lot of research. And so we got connected to Chris and I just started helping Chris with research. I said, Chris, what what do you need? How can I help you? And I just started writing people group profiles, researching, and then didn't really know what we were doing, but we were in the process. Uh, Chris had really had the vision for for this of seeing this website birthed that was apart from any organization that was a kingdom resource that said, we want to identify, highlight, and prioritize who are the least reached people groups in North America. And we want to give that as a gift to the body of Christ because we feel like that if we don't have a focus, we're, we're never going to accomplish what we're after. So like, we just want to point people in a very strategic direction. And, and so this website was birthed called upgnorthamerica.com. Mm-hmm. And its purpose is to do, you know, identify, highlight, and prioritize the least reached people groups. And so we we look at some different factors to weigh into that to decide who who's on the list, because we don't want to list every single people group in North America, because then it becomes a database that's difficult to uh, keep up to date. It's difficult to navigate. So we're saying, what is the most strategic? So we look at things like the global status of evangelical Christianity, the number of churches in the city, the global significance, the population, all of these different things go into basically a calculation and it spits out a priority score. And so we have that list. We call that the the UPG priority matrix. And then we say, well, that's that's not enough. We said, what is the next thing we need to do? We've identified these people. We need to be praying for them. And so we've implemented these prayer resources on the website. So there's a prayer profile. But the thing that's that's really cool is we've used the technology of Google Earth to develop these virtual prayer walks. So it puts you put you virtually on site to be praying for people groups where they live, work, and play. 
So it's like prayer walking in person. It gives you that that insight that that moves you to pray. And I didn't know this until a little over a year ago. Every image that someone uploads to Google, like Google Maps, is public domain. It's it's public. So we have pictures of imams in the mosque leading Juma prayer, and we can see his face and we can pray for this imam. Uh, we can see young people in the Islamic school, and we can be praying for these kids that Jesus would uh, appear to them in dreams and visions, that that they would have a witness come and share the gospel with them. And then we said, okay, if we have people praying, what's what's next? And we we want to see more laborers engaging these people groups. And so we say we want to see equipped and encouraged laborers among all of these priority people groups. So on the website, we will list some of the best known gospel resources uh, in those people groups language. So if it's a uh, uh, Pakistani, it's here's here's some gospel resources in Urdu. And then we know for someone to be encouraged, they really need to feel like they're part of something bigger. Uh, we can equip them with training, but you really want to be part of a team. And so on the website, every page for every people group has a contact form. And we've had so many people message and say, I'm interested in reaching Afghans in my city. And so through our relationships and through our network, we're able to connect someone who God is stirring to reach a people to someone in the city or best case scenario, someone who's already working among that people group. You want to give us an example of how that's happened? Yeah, so there's a there's a church planting uh, network organization. I, I can't recall their their name, and I don't want to miss misspeak, so we'll just not name them. But they were out searching um, about a geographic area that they were going to do a training in Hamtramck. So in the in the Detroit area, where there's a large Arab population, and they find they find our website and they find all this information about the people groups in Hamtramck. But this brother who was doing this research lived about an hour outside D.C. So he said, "Oh, let me look at Washington D.C." And then he finds a virtual prayer walk for Afghans in Washington D.C. So he says, "I do the uh, the virtual prayer walk twice in a week." And he said, "The Lord just stirs my heart," and he says. I need to go to Washington, D.C. and pray in person in these places. So he gets in his car, drives to Washington, D.C., and then he emails me and tells me about this. And I'm like, brother, I know people working with Afghans in Washington, D.C. Let me connect you. And so since then, they've gotten connected to a team working with Afghans and Persians in Washington, D.C. And this guy has been kind of a, a de facto team member working from a distance Uh but what that's also done is it's taking a network that was really focused on multiplying disciples and planting churches and giving them a vision for the unreached. And, and that's what we're seeing happen in lots of different places is the Lord is shifting some people's focus to the unreached. And so that's why we feel like, man, we want to be able to resource the body of Christ and tell them, hey, here are the cities that you can find Bosniaks. Here are, here are some great resources for the Bosniak community. Oh, here's other people working with Bosniaks that you can team with. And it's just, we're, we're seeing this, this start to groundswell, this encourage and equip workers starting, starting to rise up. There's a couple uh, key things on, on the website. So on, on the homepage, so the page that you land on, there's, a, there's an interactive map. 
of North America. And so when we say North America, we're focused on the United States and Canada. And what it does, it's an interactive map with filters. And so let's say, for example, you're interested in uh, Buddhist people. Well, there's a religious filter and I can just click Buddhist and then it's going to populate every city that has a significant Buddhist community that's considered globally unreached. Now, one thing that we do is we only list uh, communities that have over 5,000 people. And the reason why we do that is our vision is to see healthy indigenous reproducing churches among those people. And so if it's a population of 400, yes, they still need to hear the gospel, but we're trying to prioritize where do we want to mobilize people to see churches planted? Uh, so on the homepage, we have this great interactive map. So you can see where people are. You can sort by region of origin, country of origin, people group name, population size. So all of these fun filters on a map. And that's all fed into the map from something we call the UPG priority matrix. And it's it's a spreadsheet. So if you love spreadsheets, you can go geek out on, on the spreadsheet and the scores and all of this stuff. Uh, but if you don't like spreadsheets, the map is putting all of that data, you know, out visually. And then we, we feel like not only do you need to know where they're at, you need to know a little bit about these people groups. So in, in miss, missions research, I like to say uh, we're looking to answer the question, who are the people? What are they like? How can they be reached? And how are we doing? So then we move to what are the people like? So now we've written people group profiles uh, for nearly all the people groups that are on the, the matrix on the spreadsheet. And so I would say, too, the ones that aren't yet completed, you listening uh, can actually contribute to this project because much of this is crowdsourced for multiple people, individuals, organizations, and churches. But what you find on the profile is an overview of what, why are these people here? Because this is unique. They're in the diaspora. Why did they come here? Was it they were chasing money or were they running from persecution? because that makes a difference. Tells a little bit about their religious history, the population estimates, some fun facts. And it's also on those pages that you have that you have the gospel resources. So hyperlink to all of these resources. And then we have a separate resources page. And so actually, Steve, your podcast is on uh, the resources page. We said, what are what are some of the best resources that we can put out there to help equip people? So it's listed by categories like Buddhism, Islam, businesses, mission, media to movement, CPM training, uh, international student ministry, Sikhism. So think of, you know, about a dozen to 20 different categories with over 100 resources listed. Then we also have a way for people to contribute. So we clearly define here, here's here's how people can contribute to this project, you know, through different networks, through uh, the No Place Left Network through the organization I serve with, with other organizations that we were, were trusted brokers with. We have a really large um, network of people who are working among diaspora in North America. And so it's it's really easy for us to kind of reach out through those networks and say, hey, who who is in this city working with these people? We find someone and then the person who's requesting interest, we kind of vet them. We don't want to you know, share contact information, but we're we're kind of the middleman to say, hey, we want to serve uh, the mission uh, because one one of the things that uh, a friend friend of mine says, David Garrison, he says, if the body of Christ knew what the body of Christ knew, 
And so we just want to be part of that plan of, of connecting people who know things to people who need to know things to get the mission accomplished. Yeah. So the, the ways that people can contribute is one, if you know of population communities or uh, unreached communities with a population over 5,000 that's not currently there, we need to know that. We would love to research that and look at that. So that's one way. The second is we still have about 200 virtual prayer walks to develop. And so this is crowdsourced. And so what would really be helpful is if you're living in a city and working among a people group, we have a form and you just tell us 15 to 40 places that we can find that people group in that city and we can take it from there. Now, if you're technologically savvy and you want to spend about 30 minutes creating that virtual prayer walk, we have a training to teach you how to create it. And that will just expedite the process. And then lastly, we have about 10 people group profiles that still need to be written. So if you don't see them there, uh, again, there's a there's a place on the contribute tab on the website where you can submit that information. We'll give you the template to do so, it. So, Steve, just just thinking about why 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 is the diaspora in North America so important? And you know, there's there's people who say, oh, the it, the ends of the earth is still the ends of the earth. But but Steve, God has brought the ends of the earth to global gateway cities in North America. And so I'll just share a couple stories because people often say, well, we're, we're not seeing movement among the unreached in the West. Not yet. Not yet. But what we're seeing is we have a worker in Pittsburgh who is working with Arabs. He met a uh, Levantine Arab in Pittsburgh. And now that brother is in Central Asia seeing tons of fruit among Arab immigrants in Turkey. Second, so here in this area that I work, there is a Persian believer from Iran who the Lord has just given a vision for his people. And he's not seeing a ton of fruit here, but he's reaching out and sharing the gospel to, to Dari speaking Afghans and Persians, anybody that speaks Farsi. But again, he's he's going back to Central Asia, to the diaspora Farsi population in places uh, that we won't mention. And seeing hundreds of baptisms and dozens and dozens and dozens of churches planted in a really short time. And so it's almost like the people who are pragmatic, they say, Steve, does, does this work? Sharing the gospel and making disciples and planting churches always works. It's, it's we just want to see where it's happening. And it's happening slower here in the West. But what we're finding is these jewels who are bicultural people. They're already in the diaspora who are well-suited to reach their people in the diaspora. One, one more quick quick thing. So in, uh, I'll, I'll say the country, so in Dubai, there are a lot of South Asian immigrant workers. Well, we can go there and we can share the gospel with these South Asian Muslims and the Arabs really don't care because they're, they're South Asian. But we're seeing scores of people baptized and so we're actually looking at, hey, how, how do we see these materialize into churches that are healthy and reproducing without, without actually living there? So kind of doing the old non-residential missionary model in the diaspora. But it's the key is the South Asian believer who's going with us. It's the South Asian believers there. And so I like to, I like to think of myself as a Westerner, as, uh, you know, if you think of uh, like a basketball team, you have different levels. You have the A team, the B team, the C team, and the D team. I'm I'm the D team, Steve. And my job is just to sit on the bench and be a cheerleader. And when we don't have enough players, I get to play. I still get to go share the gospel and make disciples. 
but I need to know my place. And when we find the A team, I, I'm on the bench and I'm doing whatever I need to do to help them be a better player. Well, thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit upgnorthamerica.com. That's upgnorthamerica.com. I'm Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.